Welcome back here on the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHP as we broadcast live here at Royal Spring Training. We turn our attention to the Vice President and Assistant General Manager of Research and Development. That is a title, my friend. Daniel Mack is uh, with us. He's the numbers guy. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. Do you like that? What, what, do, you, what do you prefer? Computer, expert, uh, analytics, guru? Oh, man, there's so many choices there. I feel like the a num- numbers guy is a tough one only because... There's a lot of people in the department, and I think we're 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 sort of the the data center, right? Right. Yeah. And which is very important, as we know, in the modern game of baseball. And this organization is aware of that. And you know, Randy and I talked to you on our Kaufman Corner podcast. You were excited. It was coming down the stretch run of last year. The department was going to be expanding, it, and th- and that has happened, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. We we uh, we've grown by by five or six at this point. We hired a, a new director, uh, Christine Harris. Uh, from there, we hired and built out a pro personnel analyst group uh, to work with our pro scouts and help with uh, player acquisition on the pro side. Uh, backfilled an amateur analyst, uh, brought in uh, a full like research scientist, someone who could really help us step up our modeling, uh, who has you know a tremendous background himself and is, was excited to work with all the analysts we already had. Um, we we put a lot of effort into. You know, getting us better at very specific parts of the, the the sort of the whole baseball stack, and and sort of giving us you know more hands on deck. Now Curtis is back cutting sound right now, so he's not in the studio. But he wanted me to ask: Do you need anybody who's proficient at color coding Excel spreadsheets? <laughs> You'd be surprised sometimes. <laughs> That's the extent of our analytics: is what we can do with Excel. Uh, you know. We consider ourselves very crafty. Use the tools oh, you have. So, yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, so now, is there any aspect of the baseball operation that now isn't touched by analytics? Uh, I think at this point we've we are helping or assisting in almost in in every facet. Uh, we've actually uh, one of the people we brought on is uh, part of his work is going to be helping with international amateur work as well, so we can provide support to uh, Renee and and. Renee Francisco and Daniel Guerrero and and that group as well to you know just make sure that we are staying as progressive as we can while they work as hard as they can overseas. Yeah, and and so is the, is every piece of baseball data now digitized? Like how, how how far down? I remember talking to you about the draft showcases have all the digital, the spin rates and the cameras and everything that you can see. How far down? What about high schools? What what about? You know, Latin America, how much of it are we able to quantify now when it comes to player acquisition? You'd be surprised. There's a number of high schools that have started to buy the, the track man radars that have been sort of the bread and butter of, of major league teams for a really long time and affiliates and definitely colleges use those all over the place. There are some high schools that are buying them, which helps give us access to some of that information as well. And then the great thing is there's a lot of really uh, – business savvy people that have gotten into the international space and helping to run scrimmages and, and, and small tournaments there with Latin American players. And so we're, we're picking up data for, for guys that 
won't be eligible for, for, for several years and already starting to try and build a history so we understand where, where they might be going. I asked you this when you were one of the keynote speakers at the Linda Hall Library on the analytics, the baseball analytics uh, talk that they had there, which was great, by the way. Uh, and you spawned they're going to do a football one uh, this year because they awesome. had such great success with the uh, baseball one. And so we're looking forward to being back at the Linda Hall Library. Great, great folks down there. Great uh, location here in Kansas City. Um, at, at that time... Uh, we, we were talking about, uh, you know, I asked you, at some point, haven't you rung out every number? Isn't everything there? Like, how do you get ahead now when everybody is now grinding everything? Is, do you still believe that there's numbers that are not have not been figured, that there are advantages to be found in the numbers? Oh, 100%. I think there's still so much we're trying to understand about the physical interactions, the, you know, the true mechanics of the swing, um, understanding why some – some hitters that have what look to have very similar mechanics have more success versus others, kind of taking the like the holistic approach about the player. Uh, things like Sports Sense, which you know has obviously picked up some some notoriety in, in recent uh, months with the NFL, but has a really you know strong foothold in baseball. Like how all of those things come together is still an interesting modeling problem. And then I think it sort of works its way in the other direction, right? Even if we think we're understanding enough about the player to make good decisions, how are we building those decision apparatuses in in the front office to make those things happen as smoothly, quickly, and, 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 and seamlessly as possible? So in other words, it's it's not just finding the information, it's then how to take it and apply it. 100%. Right, how to funnel it through real people and get it to the players in a, in a format that they can digest. How much smarter are today's players? How much more can you go up? And rattled through some of this advanced stuff. The player is like, okay, I, I got it. As opposed to where maybe when you first got into the gig, you know, I need a I need a, a liaison to go through to try to make it there. How much smarter is today's player when it comes to the analytics of the game? Well, I think players have players have essentially had exposure to this information from the time that they were in high school, especially if they were visiting, you know, off-season facilities, the drive lines, the treads, the cressies, where they're getting exposure to this information at a much younger age. And I think what they've done is they figured out how to utilize that as sort of a guide, you know, guiding post, a guidepost, whatever, to put them in a position to continue to succeed doing what they do best. So it's made it easier for us to then present that same type of information because they're already looking for it you know the player you know five six years ago they also would have benefited from being 18 and and being exposed to that information earlier on they just weren't and they already had success and so it's hard to talk to someone who's had success at a really high level about information that they haven't needed to take yet but those kids in high school kids in college that's become part and parcel of how they've developed who they are as a baseball player. So we're just can kind of continuing that line for them. Uh, how often do you look at something? We're talking to Daniel Mack here. He's the analytics uh, head of analytics for the Royals, vice president and assistant general manager of research and development. How often, you know, like I remember when I was young and watching TV, I remember people saying about Frank Thomas, if you just take the bat off his shoulder, think about how great he'd be, right? They, they criticized him for walking. Obviously, we – have come well beyond that, right? That was a very early uh, signpost. How often do you run into something where you're like, okay, let's dig through this, and you find out that one of the old baseball, you know, norms was actually right? Like they, they didn't they didn't have the math to back it up, but they were actually right. You know, is it ever like you dig in and you go, oh wow, I can't believe it? Yeah, that's that part was right. 
Well, I think, you know, I think take take walks, for example, I, you know, a strong, huge proponent of on-base percentage, <laughs> right. like not, not about to have a heel turn here or anything, but the... The interesting thing about that is we learn a lot more about what contributes to walks, right? And so to that point, this guy would be a lot better if he got the bat off his shoulder can sometimes mean this guy's putting himself in worse counts because sometimes he's taking a lot of strikes, right? Being a good, being patient and having a good knowledge of the zone sometimes are, are, are two different things, right? The Joey Votto's of the world know their zone. They swing at pitches at the heart of it, and that makes them a really dangerous hitter. And there's some guys that are power hitters that are really comfortable getting into deep counts. They're really comfortable getting into two strike counts because they can do damage. And so they become more passive. And us understanding the difference between really, you know, really intelligent people that know the zone versus just really passive hitters means a whole lot. And across the spectrum from amateur players to pro players, we learn a lot more about how to help players that may not want to be as passive how much are the best hitters even ones that like they take a strike that they know is a strike but they know it's a pitch that they can't do anything with as well it's like if you can do that pitch every time congratulations you throw it three times you're going to get me out but i don't think you can throw it three times or maybe on the third strike obviously then they they give it a hack but how you know is, is that what we find that the best hitters they know what they not just where the zone is but what they can and can't do damage to 100 percent. i think we find that that you know, do damage on the pitches you can is a mantra that our major league staff uses, you know, a, a ton that's been through our minor league system, you know, since 2019 as a, as a mantra that can, keeps coming up again and again. And really that's to that point, right? Which is not every pitch in the strike zone is created equal. You just don't want to, you just don't want to be passive on the ones where you can do the most damage, but knowing when it's better to have a strike versus a weak fly ball is, 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 is an interesting strategy. What, what do you think is the most important, uh, most important part of your job? I think the most important part of my job is the overall uh, construction of our, of the, pro, of the, of the internal process that runs throughout the entire front office from JJ to Scott Sharp, to Lonnie Goldberg, to, you know, coaches to scouts my my most important job is making sure that that entire data pipeline is active used and continues to improve so that we help everyone make better decisions wherever they are so what do the numbers say about signing bobby witt do they give it a thumbs up there's a lot of positivity to to that one because there's a lot of projection left in, in 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 bobby and what he can provide for us especially playing a premium position you know, there's there, there's there's things that tell us that his offense can continue to improve, that he's you know can continue to be a, a you know improve even as a defender. So there's you know you have an opportunity there for us to hold on to a well above average player for several years is what helps keep a team like us you know active and being able to compete. And, and how much are you and, and your department a part of? I know you're somewhat, but when you go out, do you do you print out here's a free agent list here's who who we like here's the projection of the dollars this is the best value for it like so all that is laid out there as well as far as when they go shopping in the free agency for this past off season which was a a big shopping list and seemingly near as i can tell based upon what jj told us at the end of the year checked every single box he wanted to check yes we uh we're very active in providing recommendations but also providing our forecast not just for performance but for what potential value might look like on that in the market and uh, going back to when you asked me what my most important role was it's making sure that that information is as easily accessible 
to JJ and Scott as as humanly possible so that we can make collectively great decisions. So last question, and I'll give you my final four, Daniel. We're talking to Daniel Mack here is one of my favorite lines. I remember talking to Terry Francona when he first came back to the guard, got back in managing. I think he sat out a year between the Red Sox and Guardians. Uh, maybe not. Maybe he went right over. But his book had just come out that he wrote as the manager of the Red Sox. And I can't remember if I share this with you or not, but there's a uh, passage in it where he says, you know, every day the Red Sox and Theo Epstein and the Red Sox were considered on the on the front edge of, of where things are going. He said, every day the guys come down and they give me the optimum lineup based upon whoever might be out there. And so I've got this lineup that says Big Poppy should bat eight. And he said, you know, they set it on my desk and I picked it up one day and I handed it to the guy and I said, I want you to take this. I want you to walk into that clubhouse and tell everybody in there Big Poppy's hitting eight. Right? How has it evolved? Do you, like... Like the math is, it's not wrong, right? It's like, hey, Big Poppy struggles on this guy. But is there a way to be like, okay, let's take Big Poppy out if you've got a hitter that's that? Like Bobby Witt is going to hit where Bobby Witt's going to hit, and then we project it. Is there a, a, a math to that? Is there a science to the? Okay, there is the human element that those guys feel better when this big stick hits where he hits. Like, how do you how do you try to factor in the human side, or is your job just to be like, here's all the math. That's on cue. We give him everything, and then it's his job to meld the, the humanity with it. Well, I think that's – our role is to help find as many optimal decisions as we possibly can, and our role as a member of the organization is to be able to understand when the most optimal decision is not one that is genuinely possible, not because it can't be done, but because of the ramifications across several other aspects that are not being included in what pure offensive performance is. So we may have someone in a different spot than where they show up in the lineup. I'm confident that Q, Paul Hoover have looked at that information. They're going to ask great questions. I also have a a lot of confidence that they know how to manage that message to the clubhouse when they want to act on that information or how to find a degree of that optimality. And sometimes I think in baseball we get so caught up in there's a right answer or a wrong answer that we forget that you can still be close to the right answer enough to still continue to have a good enough process to get good results. And that that's where the, the like the humanity of that comes in, right, which is that I'm not I, I'm 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 not created by you know Chat GPT. I'm 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 here to help answer questions and understand that like we're trying to to, to move a, a large machine together, and that takes that takes compromise at times. We're talking to Daniel Mack. He's the man behind the numbers for the Kansas City Royals, the vice president of uh, vice president and assistant general manager uh, for research and development for the Kansas City Royals. It's time for our uh, final four. It's brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System, uh, the official health care provider of the Kansas City Royals. Get care from the experts the Royals trust to make the right call. Learn more at kansashealthsystem.com slash royals. Daniel, I'll start you with this. Um, what kind of computer do you have? What are you rocking? What do we got? To, I'm, got a Apple IIe. We got a Commodore 64. What's the big boy got? Oh yeah, go get old Commodore 64. <laughs> I I actually uh, currently have two. I uh, I travel with a MacBook Air. Okay. Um, that's prob- probably MacBook Air to travel with. It's great, and okay. because I VPN and and then. Uh, what is VPN? I basically get into our firewall and then screen so share. So you do everything from the web, and I have okay. a I have a tower at 
The yeah. real computing power is coming from someplace else, and this Kaufman. is just sucking yeah. you in. Okay, okay. Yeah, All and right. that's where the second computer sits. Okay. All right, because I was expecting to hear, you know, some kind of big, uh, you know, Turbo 3X4i or something like that. Um, all right, how often should you save your document as, as you're going along? Do you, you know, like when you're working, do you click save like every five minutes, ten minutes? Do you have a, do you have a, uh, you know, a little hourglass you turn over? What's, what's the optimum saving pattern? You know, I used to have a lot of faith in, in, in computers to do that for me until I uh, lost an entire research paper during my graduate work. <laughs> so now it's now it's basically every minute, and when I walk away from a computer at any point, I'm hitting the save button. Okay, okay. Often. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put down often, quite often. Even the experts, people, uh, they're saving things. Uh, tell me, uh, what's the best printer? Uh, I think printers blow. Uh, I can't find one, you know, that has the ink. I got one now that has tubs of ink, but then it, like, it kind of dries out, then I got to do some kind of thing. Is there a good printer out there? Can you recommend a printer to me? I wish I could. I, uh, I think my favorite printer is the one that had the the little holes on the side and the per- yeah. perforated piece. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I've got okay. a lot of uh, sentimentality, I think, attached to that kind of printer. Okay, I like it. And then finally, do you fear AI? Um, no, no, okay. I do not. Okay, all right. Uh, should should a layperson like myself fear it? I think we should fear any technological tool in the hands of people that don't want to use it correctly. Okay. Okay. I like that. That's well said. Well put. Daniel, always great talking to you. Thanks for giving us some time and look forward to talking to you back in KC. Appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome back. You're in the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Seren Petro with you as we broadcast live in Surprise, Arizona. Sunny, beautiful Surprise, Arizona. Uh, We're talking Royals baseball here. One of the big additions this offseason. Had everybody excited. Seth Lugo sits down with us here in the program. Seth, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Uh, Not bad. Not bad. Uh, you know, it was an exciting offseason. For the Royals, you were one of the more prominent guys, one of the first ones. Uh, tell me, what, what about Kansas City? He said, you know, I, I've, uh, it's a business, for one thing. I know that. But beyond that, why you, you're not coming here because you think the team's going to win 56 games again. I know that. So what, 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 what made you think Kansas City was the right spot? Well, you know, it's a, it's a great, great place to play baseball. It's a great place for, for me and my family. Um, you know, we love the, love the city, love the area. But, you know, the, uh, as far as clubhouse goes, you know, they got a lot of, a lot of young guys, a lot of young talent. It can be good for a long time. And uh, to come in and be a part of that, you know, something that's growing, something building, that's exciting. When, when you sign on and you see this flurry of signings, adding to the bullpen, Michael Walk and all that, uh, how much did that fire you up? Did you know, you know, I know teams can't talk. That's, that's collusion, right? But players can talk. Agents can talk. Was there kind of a, a word on the street that the Royals, it wasn't just going to be you, that it was going to be you and a lot more? Did you have a vibe that they were going to do quite a bit? Well, once uh, Will Smith reached out to me, that's when I started getting the feeling that it's going to be something bigger, something right. more than just a couple of guys. So, um, you know, once I signed, uh, you know, walk into, he was one of the first ones to congratulate me on the deal. And then I think it's about 12 hours later, he texted me, he's coming too. So, you know, that was really cool. But, um, you know, just from uh, uh, outside looking in, playing against uh, the Royals last year, you know, you can see where the talent is, and you can kind of get the sense that, you know, a couple couple new signings, a couple veteran guys can really bring the guys together. And, uh, you know, I think that's the first feeling I got when I was thinking about being on the staff. How many teams were you talking to? Uh, quite a few. Uh, yeah. That's how it works. Irons yeah. in the fire, right? I'd say, uh, you know, were, were you close? half or more. I, and we don't need to – you don't need – I mean, it'd be – thrilled if you want to tell me the other teams you were you were coming down with but i understand if you don't but how many uh teams were you thinking were were a possibility when you finally made your choice i mean honestly there was um i would say um five i was seriously considering 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, there was, you know, a handful of others that reached out and that were, you know, interested in me, but, you know, I just didn't think they were the best fit. But uh, um, I'd say, you know, five seriously considering. So it was a tough choice. Were they all uh, talking to you about starting? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you knew that. So that was locked in. How much did the ballpark uh, play a role? Uh, the fact that it's a it's a pitcher friendly park in Kansas City. Well, um, I wouldn't say it played a role, but it, it sure is nice. You know, uh, <laughs> it sure is. It's a good feeling. You know, I love a love a good pitcher's park. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what what do you know about the ballpark? I mean, what what do you you know? I, I'm trying to think back. Did you guys come through when I was in? Um, uh, in New York, we played there. Okay. I think it was eighteen or nineteen. Okay, um, I remember it was really hot. And uh, okay. you know, being from Louisiana, I can deal with hot. Yeah, you know? right. And muggy, you cold. can deal with muggy. I love it. You know, it gives you a little extra movement on all your pitches. Right, you know? right. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, when, when you know, to get the shot to start, like I, I think most guys, just about everybody in the big leagues was a starter uh, coming up. And and you know, how tough was it for you to not get that shot? And what finally got you over the hump and got you to where you know you got the because I know you started early with the Mets. What got you back into the rotation? Well. um you know, when I was coming up, uh, uh, 16, 17, there were a lot of injuries with the Mets, so that gave me uh, – uh, got my foot in the door. And, um, you know, uh, just getting to the big leagues, that's that's a tough jump. It was uh, it was, it was was tough to figure out how to get outs consistently at the, at the major league level. And um, uh, once the majority of the staff, you know, big-name guys got healthy, you know, I, I understood my spot was going to be in the bullpen for a little bit, you know, still hoping I could start. Um, uh, I would say – you know, majority of relievers were starters at one point, and I've talked to a lot of veteran guys that have been relievers for 10-plus years, and uh, a lot of them tell me, you know, they, they wanted to start, but they found their spot as a reliever and just gave up on the idea of it and selfishly wished they would have kept pursuing it. So right. um, I kind of had the mindset a little bit, but talking, I mean, especially Adam Ottavino, uh, talking with him, um, so you know what, I still think I can do it. I'm not going to give up on it, and uh, going into free agency last year, uh, I that was my goal. I, I want to pick up somewhere where they're going to give me a shot at starting. Uh, I learned how to get big outs at the end of a game, uh, come in tough situations as a reliever. And I don't think that little hump my first couple of years, I think I've learned how to deal with that and can push forward. So, you know, going into last year, it was um, it was a little nerve-wracking. I was a little nervous. I wasn't sure what I could do. But um, I knew that was my, my last shot at starting. So, uh, you know, I couldn't let anything in my head get in the way of that. So I had to focus and stay with the stay with the ultimate goal is to be a starter all season long and uh you know it was it was a tough mental process but you know keep grinding and practicing doing things the right way and it lined up for me worked out pretty good yeah it worked out really good um how good a park is san diego it's a cool park you know it's great weather it's a it's a good pitcher's park yeah Uh, a lot of space out in center field so you know uh does that does that how much in coffin we we talked about it has a similar feel to it but how much does that make it not not just that the park will hold big hits, right? But but it all because it also creates alleys. You know, like the singles can become doubles True. because it's bigger. So there is some some things that work against you. But just knowing, you know, that you've got a five, ten, fifteen extra feet, whatever it is, uh, in one of the parks. How much does that allow you to be better because you're more aggressive? You don't worry. Is that is it as much psychological as it is actually the. Ge- you know geometry of it i would say more psychological i mean uh you don't want to give up free bases because uh, like you said a base hit in the gaps now is a guy scoring from first easy so you don't want to walk a guy to get first base you know you're going to 
rather give up a couple, let make them string together a couple hits rather than walk a guy one base hit, not even, you know, really smoked, but the guy scoring from first base. So, you know, it really makes you attack hitters more knowing that you got plenty of space. The ball's going to stay in the yard more than not, you know, compared to some other parks in the league. But, uh, yeah, it really puts you as the aggressor. Yeah, and it does. We're talking right now to Seth Lugo here in the program. Uh, how many innings? What do you, what do you think you're, you're, you can go to? There was that for a while, everyone hung their hat on, you know, you can only jump 25% or you can only jump 25 innings. You made a pretty good jump last year. How many more innings do you think you can go this year? So, yeah, that was a big question last year. And, yeah. um, you know, I've got my thoughts, and I'm going to hold myself to it. Okay. So I'm not going to tell someone else what my goal is. Okay, I'm okay. I'm strictly going to hold it against myself. Okay. So, uh, let's say I'll, I plan on throwing more than last year. I'll All give right. you that. But um, I told uh, one of the reporters last year, ask me at the end of the season if I got to where I wanted to get to, and I'll be honest with you. Did you? I didn't. Okay. Will you do? Will you tell us the same thing this year? I will. I All sure right. Will. We'll make we'll make a note. That'll be interesting to see uh, where it's at. Are you a goal guy? Do you have something for innings or ERA or wins or do you, do you set a lot of you know statistical goals or is it is it you know any kind of goals that you put yeah I do actually um, my process is I set like three tiers of goals you know reach one that's that's your minimum that's what's you have to do that's what you're expected at this level your second one's kind of more personal and then the third one's just you know sky's the limit I'm going for you know so I've got three three goals I'm trying to get to the first one I'm gonna get to the second one I hope to get to the third one would be amazing right uh, your career your professional career kind of spans what is the kind of a boom or, or an evol- you know, a massive evolution in how guys prepare to pitch with all the treads and the all the technology and everything how, how different or were you on the front edge of that was that something you did even before you got into professional ball or have you watched it really change you know because it feels to me like about the time you've been a professional baseball is about the time we've seen all this stuff really jump um i I feel like I, I learned about this stuff after everybody else. Um, okay. Uh, I was told uh, once I got put on the 40-man roster in 2015 that it was the spin rate of my curveball that got me there. Um, I knew I had a decent curveball. I didn't know they were tracking spin rates. I okay. didn't know how I do it or why, but I just knew I can throw a curveball. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I would say last year was the first year I really dug in and understood all the analytics and the um, – you know, pitch shapes, movements, all the stuff that the Hawkeyes and Trackmans can pick up. Last year was the first year I've actually understood it and made adjustments off of that stuff. Uh, years past, it was always just try to locate your fastball a little better. You know, mechanically, more old school, stay close, stay over, uh, you know, your backside right. a little longer. But um, I think after last year, uh, understanding all that stuff and how you can kind of pair up pitches and uh, create different angles, different axes, this and that. Um, helped me develop a few more pitches, which uh, I think's really helped me out towards the end of the last season. How different is your repertoire now from, say, when you got to the big leagues or, or, or when you got drafted? Uh, how much has it evolved and changed? So, um, really, uh, you know, same fastballs, same put-away breaking balls, basically the same change-up. I've tinkered with a couple different sliders, so I'll mix a couple in, um, you know, depending on the hitter, what shapes I'm trying to make, what kind of velocities I'm trying to go with. So I've added, say, two sliders, and I've been able to manipulate the curveball a little bit different, which is new last year. And uh, so, uh, well, well, new new change-up grip, too. So just different variations of the same pitches I've always thrown, really. Yeah, um, and, and so not that far off. Not really. No. How much better are the pitches now? A lot better. They were uh, – um, I, I think they stand out. Uh, I I get a lot more questions. How do I do this? And I said, well, you know, it's 
I here's what I originally do, and then here's where I just kind of shift a seam. Here's where I, you know, put a little pre- or emphasize a different arm action. Um, it's more. I feel like when younger earlier in my career, I could do it. I didn't know how I did it. I didn't know when to do it. And some one pitch would stand out. They're like, how'd you, I don't know. I just threw it. But now I can separate them and pick and choose which shape or which pitch I'm trying to throw better. We're talking to Seth Lugo here in the program. How about Salvador Perez? I know maybe you've had a couple of couple of times. Maybe you've had a chance to throw it to him now. But what, what what do you know? What did you know of Salvador Perez coming in? What's your first impression? Um, a great guy, great guy around the clubhouse. Uh, you know, uh, I walked in the first day, and you know, he came and stopped me. I said, hey. You know, he reached out uh, after I signed with the team, too. Um, you know, great clubhouse presence. But uh, as far as behind the dish, I mean, you talk about a target. Uh, <laughs> he's a target back there. I, I threw one break him on the dirt and first. Throw into a threw, bear. And it, he didn't even flinch, and it just right there in front of him. Yeah. Like, I, there's going to be no pass balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. going to hit him. He takes up the whole box, the, everything, your peripherals. I mean, he's right there. It's, it's pretty cool. And that voice. Like, I love the the voice just booms. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a big, deep voice. I mean, to me, like, you couldn't draw a a, car, a better cartoon of a catcher <laughs> than him with the voice and the big size, the big target and everything, and the way, uh, you know, the, the big gun that he's got to yeah. throw guys out. Like, to me, you're like, oh, this would be – we're going to do a cartoon about baseball. Here's my catcher. It's yeah, Salvador yeah, Perez. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're talking to Seth Lugo, Royal starting pitcher here in the program. Time for our final four. It's brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System, the official health care provider of the Kansas City Royals. Uh, get the same care that the Kansas City Royals get. They go to the experts at the University of Kansas Health System. They trust University of Kansas Health System to make the right call. You can, too. Learn more at kansashealthsystem.com slash royals. Seth, four quickies. Uh, I'll start you with this. Uh, let's start with the spring training hat uh what do you think of it on a scale of one to ten what do you give it i got a 10 i love it i love the two-tone it's both blue i like them. Uh, yeah me too they nailed it on this one mm-hmm. some of them been kind of cheesy you know like i agree the I trucker agree. hat thing that they were rocking for a while this thing is really sharp it is i like it a lot i, I i'll take a kickback from the royals by the way for all the all the <laughs> selling i'm doing uh, on the hat I, i'm gonna go home and buy one uh, as soon as i get home the team store doesn't even have them i was looking around in the I had to go look through the window, but they don't have them yet, so I'm going to have to go home and get them. Um, all right, uh, tell me, spring training, better spot, Florida or Arizona? I'm going to have to say Florida. Really? How come? I, I love fishing. I'd spent all my free time fishing, before kids, obviously. Right, I'm right. Fishing, yeah, I miss I miss my fishing. There any, you haven't found a lake around here? I mean, there's not definitely not one close <laughs> by. You ever uh, gone to Havasu or? I, I don't, I wouldn't even know how to fish in a desert. <laughs> what do you fish for? I don't know what there is. I don't know. Lake Havasu's around here somewhere, I know, but I don't know how close. I think it's like an hour plus, but oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a pond everywhere in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, that's, that, yeah, that's all it is. I heard there's some good fishing in Kansas City, though. There is some great I fishing did. in Kansas City. Are you looking forward to that? Have I you, am. Have you fished anywhere in KC? I haven't. Uh, um, before we reported to camp, I taught my three-year-old how to fish. You know, make sure oh, yeah. he's ready. So we get up there, we're getting some rods, and we're okay. going to get after it. That, that that'll be fantastic. That's I, I love that. Uh, all right, uh, what was your, what's what's your best pitch? Do you think curveball? Curveball, still the curve with that with that spin rate. Uh, and finally, who was your biggest baseball influence? Who influenced your baseball career the most? Well, I would say my dad. Um, he was uh, my coach from uh, three years old till I got to high school. Um, uh, he didn't really ever play like organized sports, but you know he was big. Uh, he watched the game. Right. Um, big Nolan Ryan fan, so you know we still talk pitching. He was never a pitcher, but you know he understands. 
the aspect of you know what it takes to get guys out, mix up pitches, change locations, this and that, speeds. But um, I would say him and Yvonne Rodriguez. That was my favorite player growing sure, up. Sure, sure. Did your dad tell you what you got to do is throw 100 miles an hour until you're 42 years old? He didn't. He told me the opposite. He said, don't worry about velocity. You can deal with that when you're older. Just make sure to oh, locate your that. pitches and change speeds. Have you gone over to Bobby? and t- You know, his dad was on the same staff with the Rangers, Bobby Witt Sr., and Nolan were on the same staff together. Really? I know. I didn't know that. Yeah, so you can have some Nolan Ryan talk okay. there. Uh, I know because I had Bobby Witt's dad on my fantasy team. That's how freaking old I am is that – I'm interviewing kids that their dad was on my fantasy team, for God's sake. You can ask him, ask Bobby if his dad uh, has improved his control. Okay. Big fastball, 200-plus Ks, you know, 140 walks. Like that, <laughs> that, that was his game. So it was interesting. Hey, Seth, welcome to Kansas City. Thanks so much for giving us some time, and I uh, can't wait to talk to you back in KC. All right. Thanks for having me. Welcome back here in the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Soren Petro with you as we are live here in Surprise, Arizona. Our spring training coverage continues. Talking to uh, one of the, I don't know, do we say ace? <laughs> you know, what, 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 what's the right term? Cole Reagans is with us here in the program. Uh, just a uh, fantastic finish to the season uh, with this ball club. First of all, thanks for spending some time with us we appreciate it yeah no thank you guys for having me yeah uh how's it feel now to get a chance to to go to spring training here uh with this club is it uh feel different to be in a different clubhouse just across the uh (laughs) across the yard not not too much different just turn left instead of right into the parking lot so Yeah. yeah i mean it's i'm excited to be here do you uh do you ever take a moment to sit and think about how different uh your baseball career is now one year removed uh last year you were a guy still trying to fight to, to make your way into the big leagues. Now you're in a different club and uh, really, you know, I don't, I don't want to say baseball is such a game that you got to do it again and again and again and again, but certainly off to one hell of a start in, in the Royals colors. I mean, big difference one year makes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I still come in with the mentality of uh, I don't have a guaranteed spot on the team. So, you know, I'm still trying to make the team. Um, I'm excited to be here. You know, there are a bunch of new faces in the clubhouse this season. Um, the spring training, so it's it's super exciting getting to you know meet all these guys that have the pedigree that they do. Um, you know, excited to get to know them a little better throughout the year. The uh, you know you just go try to soak up everything. You quizzing guys. What do you do? like? What 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 do pitchers do when they get together? Is everybody holding a baseball yeah. and showing grips and like what what what's a what's yeah, a I mean, pitcher we, hangout we, session look like? We we talk shop. You know, we'll ask guys about grips and you know my just talk about certain things sometimes it's not even about baseball we're just trying to get to know each other you know we we're going to be around each other a lot so it's uh it's just trying to get to know each other a little bit um but yeah we definitely talk shop talk about grips you know some guys are working on certain things you kind of get ideas from other guys stuff like that so it's it's awesome what do you want to work on uh you know what's you got a point of focus here in spring yeah just come you know fine-tuning some things commanding certain stuff you know tweaking a few things with some breaking balls that kind of thing you know talk to uh i mean those guys uh, the guys that we've brought in you know they've been all over a lot of guys have been with a lot of different teams met a lot of different people so it's you know everybody's got a different way of thinking about it and one thing might click you know it's uh but no i mean i feel like my biggest thing is just command my stuff you know fine-tune a few things um yeah, I mean that's the biggest biggest things for me. Um, shocking, I know. Looking at me, I'm not an athlete. Uh, that'll that'll stun you, but uh, I'm always fascinated with the with the pitchers about how just the movement, just moving your fingers a little bit on that ball, and all of a sudden it dances. It goes from being a, oh well, that's a flat plane that's easy to pick up to like wow, look at it, look at it dart. Are you a tinkerer, or do you spend more time? Has it been about finding the right arm slot, repeating the slot? What 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 what's been your 
You know, because every pitcher has to work work through yeah. all that all the time. What's been the biggest thing that you find yourself trying to work through? Yeah, I definitely tinker with, you know, little things, adjusting how my hand is on the ball. Or, you know, sometimes it might be tinkering with the thought process of, you know, I might keep this grip, but I'm going to think something different. And it might change, you know, how the ball moves just a little bit. Like it might go from, you know, I'm getting around this ball and, you know, I'm getting around my slider or something like that. All right, well, I'm going to think throw a cutter with my slider grip and then the slider does what I want it to do just like you know little little things like that it just uh definitely I I tinker when it's when I feel like something's a hair off I'll tinker with something I don't try to change anything big because super small adjustments make a big difference when throwing the baseball or you know trying to command something so it's just tinkering with little bitty things when I feel like something's a hair off we're talking to Cole Reagans here in the uh, program tell me Take me back to the trade coming down and, and what what your emotions were when you when you find out that you were dealt. Yeah, no, I, I uh, so I got traded over here and you know it's bittersweet. Like I've been a ranger, you know, for my whole career to that point. Um, made a lot of lifelong friends, but at the same time, I was super excited to get over here. You know, you you have guys like Sal and Bobby and Vinny and you know guys like that that you know i've seen i've i've played against vinny played against massey guys like that so it's like i knew names we just didn't know each other personally so it was uh you know excited to get over here bunch of young studs um so excited to get to play with them you know see what they're about see what the clubhouse is like um obviously you have a guy like sal who's you know i mean everybody knows what sal sal has done and you know the type of person that sal is i mean amazing human being amazing baseball player um, so, you know, excited, was excited to, you know, get to know Sal, get to throw to Sal. Um, and then, you you know, you get over here, you spend a lot of time with the guys in the clubhouse. So you get to know guys pretty quick. It's, you know, it's been everybody welcome me, you know, open arms, let me be myself pretty quick. And, you know, it's been, it was awesome. You were dealt for a role as Chapman. I mean, he's pretty badass. Yeah. I mean, that's not a name. Yeah. If it's if you're gonna look down your baseball reference page and you know transactions, if you I don't know how much of a numbers guy yeah. you are, how much you look at it, uh, but you get down there and see that, that's uh, not a bad yeah. not a bad name to be associated yeah, with. I, I I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's he's pretty well respected <laughs> in the game of baseball. Um, yeah, no, it was awesome. I mean, I, I still keep in touch with my guys over there. Um, I watch the playoffs. I watch. I mean, those are some. Like I said, those are some guys that you know. They're not. They weren't just my teammates. They're you know friends for my. For they're going to be my friends for the rest of my life. So it's. I still keep in touch with them. I watched them and, uh, you know, pulled pulled hard for them. Not, um, not hard to hang out when you come out here. Yeah. Now, right. Yeah. Exactly. Young, exactly. I, I know. I'm sure you were very happy for all of them and all the success they had. Bittersweet though. Hard. Hard for you to watch to know that, you know, you you. You know, started the season there, and it ended so great for them. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they. How do I put it? It's um, definitely bittersweet, but you know, watching them, I, I I was ecstatic for them. You know, that's been a long time coming. The guys that they brought in over there are you know incredible baseball players, incredible human beings. So it's it's super easy to root for them. Um, you know, so it was it was. Definitely, I watched them. I shot them texts, you know, congrats, stuff like that. So it wasn't wasn't too bad watching it. Um, but you know, now it's it's a new year. It's I'm yeah. I'm ready for us to do that. Motivational, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, we brought in these guys that we have, like we got Will Smith, Stratton, who were over there, won the World Series with them. So, um, and you know, we got Lugo, Waka, Anderson. I mean, all these all these pitchers. Um, just got Schreiber. 
Um, haven't met him, but have heard incredible things about him. Um, and then, you know, we brought in Renfro, Frazier, Hampson, those guys. I mean, it's we're going to have a good team. I'm, I'm excited, and I think we have every chance to win. Uh, a couple more here with Cole Reagans, uh, Royal starting pitcher here in the program. Uh, what what clicked? What was the final thing to make it all click for you? Was there a, a moment, an, an epiphany? Uh, you know, what, what what seemed to be the thing that finally brought it all together and, and made you so effective? Yeah, I mean, I, I so I got traded over, and we started toying with a slider and, uh, you know, tinkered with grips, you know, every day in catch play and bullpens, you know, fin- fin- finally found a grip that, you know, was comfortable. And then we kind of went from there and, you know, finally got it to where, you know, the movement was where we wanted it. And I think it helped definitely with, you know, just swing and miss against lefties. I was kind of struggling getting lefties out, just getting something to get them to swing and miss. Um, and the slider, you know, definitely helped. And then I, you know, I just kind of ran with it. Just got on a, got on a little heater there, I guess you could say. Yeah. And, you know, just try to – my biggest thing when I step out there is give us a chance to win. You know, I know the offense is going to score some runs. You have, you know, you have guys like Bobby and Sal and Vinny and, you know, now Renfro and all of them. And it's – it's those are some some big bats. You know, they can drive the ball out of the park at any point, any time. So it's – you know, they're going to score runs for us. It's it's just give it, getting deep into the game and giving us a chance to win, giving them a chance to, you know, not just sit out there and – you know, have to be on their feet for a while. They get to come in, cool off, get ready to, you know, yeah. hit, score some runs for us. Absolutely, absolutely. Last one uh, before I give you my final four is about the Tommy John. It's been well documented twice, but kind of not twice in the sense that it was a repaired one. How long did it take you to get beyond, and, and is it ever in your mind? Is that something that's lurking back there that it's always there, or is that something that's just in the past? How do you, how uh, do you deal with that? It's just something that's in the past. I had so I had my first one, and then 14 months later, I had my second one. Um, they went in and fully repaired the second one. It wasn't as torn as the first one, but still, they put a brace in and that kind of stuff. And it's 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 the past. I don't really think about it. You know, it definitely made me missing those, having those two TJs and missing that much time consecutively made me um, not saying that I didn't. Not saying I took the game for granted prior because I didn't, but it just makes me enjoy even more being at the baseball field every day. You know, I'm gonna have fun with it. Yeah, I'm gonna get mad when I when I you know don't do what I know I'm capable of, and everybody's got bad days, obviously. But you know, it's I definitely don't take it for granted. It's I I love being at the field with the boys and hanging out and you know doing stuff with the guys it's it's freaking awesome all right we're talking to cole reagan's royal starting pitcher here in the program time for our final four it's brought to you by the university of kansas health system the official health care provider of the kansas city royals get the care from the experts the royals trust to make the right call learn more at kansashealthsystem.com slash royals uh what do you give the spring training hat on a scale of one to ten or spring training hat? Yeah, you like it. I, I mean, they, like they got it. a new one every year. So yeah, I kind of I, I like the I like the spring training hats. They're not bad. What would you give? Um, I'll give it a I'll give it a nine. Yeah, yeah, I, I I like it too. I haven't liked one in about yeah. four years. I, I like I this one. I'm, I'm liking it. Um, all right, are you aware of uh, who wore 55 in Royals history? Most prominent 55 was. Isn't it Apier? Yeah, Kevin Apier, yep. yeah. One of my absolute favorites. Yep. Uh, the Ape Man. I saw it I saw it up there on the uh, when you? you're walking into the locker room or up against the batting cage, you see the number and the name. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I, I, know, I know he's a, a big uh, 
you know, I've seen the records he holds with the Royals, like franchise and stuff like yeah. that. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a great number for a yeah. pitcher, too, by the yeah. way. It's about as good as you can get. Uh, is uh, Will Smith flashing around the, the ring? Have you... He brought the the championship ring from and, Texas. Yeah, you know, actually, I, t- I take it back. He'd have his Atlanta ring, right? Yeah. yeah. No, he doesn't. He doesn't flash them off yeah. too much, but because they haven't um, gotten the Texas one yet, yeah, they usually do that yeah. on opening day. So his Atlanta yeah. one, does he flash that around? No, I haven't seen it. Okay. I haven't seen it. I think he keeps it in a safe, okay. nice and hidden. So uh, uh, Will's the man. Yeah, he's he's been he's been awesome. He was awesome last year. Excited to you know get to play with him again. It's good to have him back. Yeah. Uh, I will say that. Uh, all right, who's your biggest baseball influence? Who influenced your baseball career the most? Influenced my baseball career the most? Like, who did I watch? No, no, not really a favorite player or anything. Just like, there, was there a person growing up, you know, that, that kind of inspired you, kept you going? Talk, yeah, I you mean, know? my mom and dad, obviously. Okay. Um, and then now that I've gotten older, I'm married. Um, my wife's my biggest, you know, my biggest fan so it's, you know, I work hard for her. Yeah. You know, I would give her, you know, the life that we want to live and that she deserves. So she's been she's been all over with me. She's been through the surgeries with me, sat out here in Arizona for three straight years. She's been with me, you know, got, making my debut, getting drafted, all that stuff. So it's uh, it's awesome. She's, that she's is incredible. Awesome. You're a lucky man. Yes, sir. You're a lucky man. Cole, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Uh, best of luck. Can't wait to see you back in KC. Yes, sir. Can't wait to get there. Thank you for having me.